Hello, welcome back to the Work Life Mindset Podcast. This is Chris here for all things mind and time. Really excited to connect with you today as we dive even deeper into this time management paradox and learning how to be indistractable. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a rating or review wherever you are listening. That is how we grow. If you want more tips and tools on mindset and time management, you can follow us on our socials. Uh, Instagram, we are Work Life Mindset. On Facebook, it is Chris Stinson. And LinkedIn is also Chris Stinson. And all kinds of tools and courses on the worklifemindset.com website as well. So let's just dive right in. I got a lot of good stuff today. And I want to go into this concept of time management being pain management. This really fascinates me because I've (laughs) been learning a lot about how to be self-aware and always in practice of really reflecting on how I spend my time and seeing that there's tasks in my day every day that are still scary. They're still new. They're a bit uncomfortable and recognizing how often I distract myself, right? Um, We all want to blame our phones as the reason we get distracted. And that's kind of bullshit. Like that's just one of many ways we distract ourselves. I've gotten really good about not turning to my phone for distractions and setting up systems there, but I will still walk away from my desk, go downstairs to snack when I'm not even hungry. Um, Step out of the office here to just go pet the dog. (laughs) Um, Do whatever I can to distract myself from doing what's hard and uncomfortable. To me, and I'm really coming to understand that that's really what's behind distraction is just, you know, we we handle it by learning how to handle discomfort, right? That's that's going to be key. So I'm always seeking like, man, how can I do better at handling this discomfort starts with an awareness, right? Um, one big mindset shift, and I posted about this earlier this week about you know, where does this discomfort come from? Like, why are we always restless and unsatisfied? Like, man, we live in the safest, healthiest, most well-educated time in human history. But some of our, like, human psyche causes us to constantly look for an escape from things. And um, it's just, it's a bit of a challenge. I totally get it. But what I've come to learn, and I mean, this is just new learnings that I've read and connected with, found it in a couple sources, and I really like to explore neuroscience and brain evolution. It's interesting that we are actually really hardwired for this sort of dissatisfaction, right? Um, odds are, like, you're never going to be fully happy with your life. Like, you might have some bouts of joy, feelings of euphoria, you know, but you know, some sustained, like, happily ever after that you kind of see in the movies, that's kind of a bit of a myth, just the way our brains are wired. And this is a really, I think, powerful awareness to connect with and kind of concede to without being depressed about it, but just recognize it's there. So you're not seeking something that's not really possible, right? And when I say we're hardwired for this, it's it's really just because eons of evolution gave us a brain that is in a near constant state of discontentment, okay? Um, We're wired for discontentment for a very simple reason, right? Because if satisfaction and pleasure were permanent, then there's really no incentive to keep seeking further benefits or advances, right? 
I mean, the truth is feeling good every day, feeling content wasn't really good for the species, right? Our ancestors worked harder and strove a lot farther because they've evolved to be perpetually perturbed, you know, like, and they, you know, so we kind of remain that way today. But unfortunately, the same evolutionary traits that helped our, you know, relatives and ancestors survive by driving them to constantly do more can really conspire against us today. So having that awareness, I think, is a key part. And recognizing there's there's actually like four psychological factors that make satisfaction temporary, right? Um, the first factor is boredom, all right? Man, the lanes people go to avoid boredom is shocking, okay? I have it right here. There's like a 2014 study published in Science that asked participants to sit in a room, think for 15 minutes. And the room was empty except for just, you know, some device, some device that allowed participants to painfully electrocute themselves, right? Like, why would anybody want to do that? Empty room, sit there for 15 minutes. But hey, if you want, you can shock yourself with this device. And all these participants were asked beforehand um, if they would be paid, if they would pay to avoid being shocked, right? And when left alone in the room with this machine and nothing else to do, actually 67% of men and 25% of women actually shocked themselves. And many did it multiple times, right? So... You know, the authors just kind of conclude that people prefer doing to thinking, even if what they're doing is so unpleasant that they would normally pay to avoid it, right? The untutored mind does not like to be alone with itself. So it's no surprise that most of the top websites in America, like, sell escape from our daily drudgery, you know, whether it's shopping, celebrity gossip, doses of social interaction, whatever it is. Um, we just have forgotten how to be bored with ourselves. And that's a great skill to learn to craft. I also look at this as like toilet time. You know, some of the best creative ideas were discovered while people were on the toilet or on vacations because they're out of their environment and their mind can just wander and be bored. But we don't even do that anymore. Most people bring their phones <laughs> into the bathroom with them. So we're, we're missing on this opportunity to train the brain. And so we're just normalizing this constant constant, you know, interaction and distraction and like things need to keep going. And I would challenge everybody, try this tonight. Can you just sit for 10 minutes and be bored? How uncomfortable does that feel? Recognize that and, and realize that if you truly want to learn how to be indistractable, you're going to have to learn to sit with that uncomfortability, that just being bored, because that's a, a pretty key way to reverse some of the the ways we distract ourselves. So that was one, boredom. Another psychological factor that drives us to distraction is a negativity bias, right? And if you don't know what this is, it's basically this phenomenon where negative events are going to be a lot more potent and like demand more attention. They're going to be just more powerfully than like a neutral or positive event, right? We all tend to ruminate on that. Like, Oh, you have like a so-so day or yeah, your day was good. No big deal. But oh my gosh, my day was bad and negative. Like, you know it, you feel it. You're going to tell the whole world, right? Um, it's kind of like this fact of psychology that bad is stronger than good. 
And that pessimism begins very early in life, right? Like babies begin to show signs of negativity bias starting at just seven months of age. Um, and that kind of suggests this tendency is inborn. Uh, researchers have also believed that we all tend to have like an easier time recalling bad memories than good ones. Uh, studies have found that people are more likely to recall unhappy moments in their childhood, even if they would describe their upbringings as generally happy, right? And this is like us reviewing our childhood, not others reviewing our childhood. I know my grandmother would always just think about the positive sides of my dad, raising my dad. And then my dad would remind her like, yeah, but there were some down bad things too. Remember this is that she'd be like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> but again, this isn't other people remembering us. This is us remembering ourselves, right? And again, that negativity bias, it really gave us this evolutionary edge. Um, so that's, it's good to know, you know, good things are nice, but bad things can kill you, which is why we pay attention to and remember the bad stuff. It's a bit of the survival mechanism of the brain, but it's also kind of a bummer that we're all going to tend toward negativity and we have that bias. So that's the second factor. Third factor is rumination, right? We just tend to keep thinking about these bad experiences. If you've ever chewed over something in your mind that you did or something that someone did to you, or, you know, something that you just don't have but really want, and you ruminate on this over and over again, like almost impossible to stop, that's rumination, right? And this, like, passive comparison of your current situation with this, you know, thing that's unachievable, whatever that might look like, can cause some really self-critical thinking, right? That really reinforces this paradigm that I talk about that I'm not enough, right? Like, why can't I handle this better, <laughs> right? Um, when you reflect on what went wrong and how to fix it, you might be able to discover sources of that error. Like, I'm all about reflecting and other strategies. But, you know, leading to not repeating the mistakes and possibly doing better in the future is the goal. Like, that's what we want to be doing, right? But, man, this rumination is not always the best thing. So you got boredom negativity, bias, rumination, they're all going to bring us to distraction. Now, this fourth one is really fascinating. I used to post a lot about it. Maybe I'll even do, I think there's a podcast actually in season one about the hedonic treadmill and this concept of the hedonic adaptation, right? This is how like our tendency to return to some baseline level of satisfaction, no matter what happens in life. It's just like this <laughs> really cruel bait and switch, right? Because there's all sorts of life events that we think are going to make us happier, but they actually don't, or at least not for a long time, right? You can experience that joy when you reach that target and have that outcome, but chances are you're just going to seek more. You know, the prime example of this is, is income. You know, people are like, oh, I'll be happier when I make more money, happier when I make more money. There's no correlation to that. In fact, some people hit high amounts of money and their happiness goes down, Um I wish I could quote the study, but this number sticks in my head and it's $70,000 and the medium household, maybe it's more now, this is like five years ago with inflation and all, but basically there is truth in the statement. More money brings you happiness up to what used to be a level of $70,000. If your household was making $70,000, you would, you know, they'd done studies and you kind of peak out at happiness. Once you go over that, there's no correlation between how happy you are and if you make more money. Um, 
we tend to just kind of want more, right? Um, there's other factors to that, but it's kind of interesting that we're always going to level off, right? Like people who win the lottery reported that things they had previously enjoyed really lost their luster and returned them to some previous level of satisfaction, right? Every desirable experience is just transitory. Like it's just going to transition you from one to the other. So, okay, not to get everybody all sad, I don't want to leave on this note, but what we've learned is that this dissatisfaction, like not being content, is a power that can be channeled in many different ways. And I want to just offer this idea that it can be channeled to help you make things better in the same way that it actually served our ancestors, our prehistoric relatives. Because dissatisfaction and discomfort dominate our brain's default state, right? We have that default state of not being content and negativity bias. But we can use that to motivate us instead of defeat us, okay? And, you know, we want to first recognize that this is just part of how this worked, right? This is this is normal. This is how we've evolved, Um Without the species' desire to evolve, we'd be a lot more worse off. We might even be extinct, right? So this dissatisfaction actually leads us to do everything we do. Um, it leads us to seek and create and adapt. Um, even selfless acts like helping others are motivated by our need to escape feelings of guilt and injustice, right? We don't want to feel this way, so we're going to take this action. So your desire to reach for more is what drives you to, to overturn and it pushes you, it actually pushes a lot of the inventions that are world-changing and life-saving technologies. It's kind of this, I like to think of it as invisible fuel that drives your ambitions, um, drives people like Elon Musk to travel beyond our planet and explore the cosmos, right? Like it's never enough. Hedonic adaptation, we got to keep going. Now, dissatisfaction is responsible for all of our wonderful advancements that we have as a species and its faults. And here's the secret, basically. To harness that power, you got to just let go of this idea that if you're not happy, you're not normal. Because exactly the opposite is true. I'm going to say it again. Just let go of the idea that if you're not happy, then you're not normal. Because that's really just not true. And this mindset shift is jarring, but it can also be really freeing if you allow it to be. It's actually really good to know that feeling bad isn't actually bad. It's exactly what survival of the fittest intended. And from this place of acceptance, we actually stand a chance of avoiding these pitfalls of our psyche. we got to have that awareness. We're going to recognize the pain and rise above it, which is really the first step to becoming indistractable and not letting these things side rail you, right? So the dissatisfaction is actually a power that can be channeled to make things better if you just recognize the tools and the way you can use it. So I hope you appreciated that, a little deep dive into these kind of four factors that make satisfaction temporary and be okay with that. You're going to be bored. We have a negativity bias. We ruminate about things and this concept of hedonic hedonic adaptation. You know, we always want more, more, more. There's, there's really no high end limit there. So just be aware of that. 
be mindful of that. Be happy with what you do have. Don't always be striving for more. Learn how to be bored. Learn how to recognize the negativity bias. Have that awareness. Maybe make more space for positivity things. Recognize when you're ruminating on things that you can't control and won't serve you and move on. Move beyond those thoughts. You have the tools now. Begins the practice. The practice is the long run. Okay, that's what I have for you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. If you like the podcast, please leave a rating on wherever you're listening. Have a beautiful day. Thanks so much.